Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. Amen. It's good to see you today in the house of the Lord. I want to remind you, as last Sunday was our Missions Emphasis Weekend, that today before we leave, we're going to be looking at our faith promises for the upcoming year in light of missions. I would submit to you today there's nothing higher, nothing finer, nothing greater that you and I can invest not only ourselves in but our finances in than the work of Jesus Christ around the world because we know that it is changing lives today literally around the world. And So I want to encourage you today as we're going to be walking through that process, I want to encourage you to uh, join in what God is doing today around the world. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll take them out and let's go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 together. I want to take you back to a passage that in the fall uh, I began sharing with you on. And today we're going to be picking back up in our Love Live Lead series. And actually this year, last year we spent most of our time in love and live this year we're going to spend much of our time this year uh, in this side of lead and what God wants to do through our lives uh, in our generation around us and I want to share a passage with you because this passage so clearly uh, speaks to us for our role in what God is doing Acts chapter 13 verse 36 it says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried, and with his ancestors and his body decayed. The truth is we all know that uh, our life have an expiration date on them. We see the sum of David's life in this passage of Scripture at we find when we read through this passage and other passages throughout the Bible, we find that God is at work all the time. God is orchestrating and God is fulfilling his purpose around the world. That truth alone puts God back in proper perspective in the world because he is the creator, he's the originator, he is the designer of everything around us. The planets orbit around the sun because that's what God purposed them to do. Fish swim in the water. Birds fly in the air because that's what God purposed them to do. The sky is blue. The clouds are white. The grass is green because he is a God of purpose. Isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 through 10 says, Remember the things that I've done in the past. For I alone am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything that I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Psalm 135 and verse 6, The Lord does whatever pleases him throughout all the heaven and the earth and on the seas and in their depths. Proverbs 16 and 4, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. 
We find in this passage of Scripture today that, guys, if you wouldn't mind, I could use an extra little bit of light right above me this morning. Thank you. It helps me to read a whole lot easier. <laughs> that way you and I will get the same information this morning. <laughs> we find in this passage of Scripture that God has a specific purpose for David and his generation there are many things that you and I might have the ability to say about David. We could look at his life and we could consider his successes. We could consider his failures. But God's testimony about David was that he was a man after God's own heart. Man didn't say that about David. God said that about David. Now we know that David in his life had some failures. We know there's some seasons in David's life that didn't go as uh, they had been scripted, if you will. But we find all throughout the scriptures, and we find David comes to the end of his life, and the Bible says this about David. David served God's purpose in his generation, and then he died. In every generation, God has had a plan for every man Every woman, every young person, God has a plan. You say, you know what? I may be too young and God doesn't have a plan for me. I would remind you that David was a young boy when God used him to take down Goliath. I would remind you that Mary was a young lady when God brought through her womb the Savior of the world. There's a plan and a purpose that God has for every one of our lives. And Psalm 139 reiterates those words. He says, you know everything about me. It says, you see me. You know everything I do. You knit my life together. You saw me before I was even born. And it goes on to say, every day of my life was recorded in your book. You see, we go back to the beginning of time, but we go back to Genesis and we find that God created Adam for his generation. We know Jacob was for his generation. Moses, the man who led God's people out. Uh, of the land of Egypt was for his generation, Isaiah for his generation, Elijah, then Elisha who would later follow him, Samuel that God called as a young boy, the apostle Paul, a man by the name of Ananias. Ananias is only mentioned one time in the scripture, but yet God's purpose and plan was fulfilled through him. All these created for God's purpose for their time and their generation. How, how easy it is for you and I to forget that God has a plan for our lives because the truth is we are so busy going through life and we're so busy kind of trying to just keep our head above the water and, and make it through life and, and get the bills paid and, and get things done around the house and get the taxes filed and in and on time and get all the things we've got to get done. Life is so busy and in that busyness we often lose sight that my life has a purpose more than just going through the routines of this life. David served God's purpose in his own generation. 
as we're heading back into this series, the lead series, we, when we're talking about leading, that's what we're talking about is there is a purpose for our life. There's a plan for our life. It's not just merely to exist, but there's something that God wants to do through you because he uniquely created you just as you are. There's, there's no one like you. When you look around the room today, there's no one like you in the room. Some of you might consider that a good thing. There's nobody else like you, and the truth is nobody in this room has the same purpose in life that you have. You are uniquely created by the hand of God. He didn't create you 500 years ago, 100 years ago. He created you for this time and this season. The truth is we look at great people when we read through uh, the Word of God. We read about people like Moses. We read about Peter and Paul. But the truth is they had their time and their generation, but they cannot touch our generation. The great generals of the faith, they can't do it. Today, you and I stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. The Bible says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the purpose and the plan that God has for our world today. Only we can touch this generation. Only we can be the ones to be a voice right now. This is our generation. This is our time. Proverbs 20 and 24 says, A person's steps are directed by the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. What does that mean? That means God has a purpose for our generation. This is our generation. Look at your neighbor and say, It's mine. This is our generation. God's purpose for this generation can be traced back to the commission of the early church in the book of Acts and throughout the entirety of the New Testament. Jesus' last words to his disciples before he left, we find them in Mark 16 and verse 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew recorded Christ's words just before his ascension in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 24 and 14, in this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Mark 13 and verse 10, the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Luke 24 and 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations. Acts 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, he is patient with you. Aren't you glad he's patient with us? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Repentance. 
David Ravenhill once said, God's longing and God's heartbeat is to reach the nations of this world through the message of his love and new life through Jesus Christ. Many of you have heard of the great evangelist over the years by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. God has used Reinhard Bonnke over the years to see literally millions of people come to know Jesus Christ. And he said, we are to plunder hell and to populate heaven for Calvary's sake. You see, because you and I can do some really great things on this earth, there's some really great ways we can strengthen people, bless people, encourage people, and all of those things are wonderful and great. But I submit to you today, when a man lays his head on the pillow for the very last time and breathes his last breath, what we have done for them in light of eternity is the thing that's truly going to count. There is a purpose for our generation And we find it in the fact that God is passionate and God is purposeful about reaching men and women with the gospel message. But you know, my friend, it's not enough that we understand that God has a purpose in the world. The truth is you can't really look at the world without finding that he's a God of purpose. But today I would submit to you this. If God has a purpose in the world, how many of you today are in the world? About half of you are here. How many of y'all are in the world today? There you go. If he has a purpose in the world, you and I are in the world, the truth is that he has a purpose for you. The truth is this world is just a place for you and I to live and to inhabit. It is a home. It is a tent. It's a place of temporary residence for us. Often we can struggle with the thought that my life, does my life really have any purpose? We don't see anything happening. We don't see the plans we thought we would plan. You know, we've made all these ideas. We've had all these great ideas how our life was going to be. And the truth is, if you go back to uh, many years ago, any of you had great plans for your life and how you were going to do this and how you were going to do that and how this is going to turn out, I wonder today if we were able to take the time and poll how many of you, everything worked out exactly like you thought it would. None of us. We all have these great ideas that when those things don't come to fruition, we start looking at our lives and we're like, okay, where is my purpose? What is my purpose in this life? And if you've been around the church world very long, you've heard sermon after sermon and teaching after teaching on topics like this, and they are pieces of the puzzle. But the problem is we often never come to the place where we see the big picture of it all. And as a result of that, we receive Christ as our Savior. We receive Him as our Lord. We know that our future is about heaven. We know that the best is yet to come in our lives. But often, if we don't get the big picture, we become content And we become satisfied with the fact that I've got salvation and I know where my future is going to be. The reality is there is a place of divine destiny for which you and I have been created. God has a divine purpose for your life. 
as I was in preparation for today and I was thinking about my life uh, over the years and I was thinking about how many people have had a portion in the process of my life. About people that when I was young spoke into my life. Sunday school teachers, children's church leaders, youth leaders, adults in the church I grew up in. My mom and my dad and family members who at times have spoken into my life. And they've helped mold and shape the individual that I have become. And I've been able to experience God's plan because they were a part of my purpose. They were a key in my purpose being developed, I wonder what might have happened to me if those individuals in my life had been silent and just content to have salvation alone and some lady would not have said they need a teacher in the first grade. I'll be that teacher. When one of the men stood up and said they need uh, Royal Ranger leaders, and one of those men said, I'll be a Royal Ranger leader. And one of the people said, I'll work with the youth. I'll be that person. I remember a man years ago, I went to the altar as a young man to pray. I wanted to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I remember one of the men came, stood behind me there alongside my dad and prayed with me until I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was a part of God's purpose being fulfilled in my life. When we get so busy in life and all we see is keeping my head above the water, often we lose sight of the people around us who need to have purpose fulfilled in their life and understanding that I have a part in that. We spend so much of our life keeping all of our hens and chickens together in our life and keeping everything flowing smooth and, well, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this, I've got that, that we don't have time to invest in the people around us. I wonder where you might have been today had somebody somewhere not stepped up to their purpose in God and you heard the gospel as a result. For some of you, it was somebody at the workplace that shared. For some of you, it was a neighbor. For some of you, it was a person in the store that came up and shared the gospel with you. For some of you, it was someone in a church. For some of you, it may have been someone sharing the gospel on the TV or on the radio or on the internet. Had they not stepped up and engaged in God's purpose for their life, I wonder how many of us in this generation would not be here today. My friend, God has a purpose for your life. And it's a purpose that's bigger than you. You see, true success in this life cannot be measured by the world's methods. Your life is not the fulfillment. You have not come to the place of success when you've made enough money, you've met enough goals, and you've made life comfortable for yourself. Your life has such greater purpose than comfort in this life. 
as a child of God, as one who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, your calling, my calling, our purpose is in God, in our generation. This is where we find our greatest fulfillment because everything else is temporary. We must be joined together with Christ in purpose, plan, and destiny. You see, the danger of you and I not understanding what God's purpose is for our life is we can be busy doing and yet never really accomplishing the things we were created for. I have shared before a quote from Francis Chan. She had these words, We should not be afraid of the fear of failure, but at succeeding at things that really don't matter. I want to let that soak in for a minute. We should not be afraid of the fear of failure, but of succeeding at things that really don't matter. Mankind wants to serve his purpose. It is in our nature. We want to serve our purpose rather than the purpose of God. And we know what that looks like in the world today when people are out just to solve their own things and be a part of their own things. But we also understand what it's like inside the church when that begins to happen. And when we're inside the church and it all becomes about us, then it's all about my comfort and my likes and my dislikes and what I think and what I want. When that happens, we find ourselves lost and disconnected from the vision of God's purpose for our life for this generation. You know, the truth is, we were, uh, we were laughing earlier. Ford just had a birthday. and I won't tell you how old he is. I'll let him tell you. Feel free to come and ask him after church if you want. <laughs> but you know, as we were talking, the truth is what we have found is life goes so fast. You know, I don't consider myself old, but I don't consider myself really young either anymore. I like to be young, <laughs> but the truth is that's not the reality. And I find myself here today, and people talk about midlife and midlife crisis. I'm past. The only way that I can have this as midlife now is I've got to live to be over 100 years old. I'm past the midlife point. And I don't know about you, but that just baffles me because I'm like, how? It's kind of like I went to sleep and woke up one day like this. And I'm like, how in the world did this happen? But in light of God's purpose for my life, what it says to me is, Jerry, if you're going to fulfill God's purpose, you better get busy. Because the truth is, there's more days behind me than ahead of me. And friend, I want to encourage you today to consider God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Are you fulfilling God's purpose? Are you fulfilling God's plan? A gentleman by the name of Alan Redpath put out this thought, a saved soul but a lost life. A saved soul, 
but a lost life. What a sad description of a believer's life. Jesus Christ saved you and I, and he's called us because he has a purpose for us. I was recently encouraged by uh, a portion out of a book that many years ago I read. There was a, a gentleman who was a preacher of the gospel for many years, and he's gone to be with Jesus. His name was Miles Monroe. Many, many of you have heard of Miles Monroe over the years, but I want to share with you a portion out of one of his books. I think it's so relevant to this topic. It says, The wealthiest spot on the planet is not the oil fields in Kuwait, Iraq, or Saudi Arabia. Neither is it the gold or the diamond mines of South Africa or the uranium mines in the Soviet Union. Though it may surprise you, the richest deposits on the planet lie just a few blocks from your house. They rest in your local cemetery, buried beneath the soil within the walls of those sacred grounds are dreams that never came to pass. Songs that were never sung. Books that were never written. Paintings that never filled a canvas. Ideas that were never shared. Visions that never became a reality. Inventions that were never designed. Plans that never went beyond the drawing board of our mind and our purposes were never fulfilled. Our graveyards are filled with the potential that remained potential. There's a wealth of potential in you. And you and I must decide if we're going to rob the world or if we're going to bless it with the rich, valuable, potent, and untapped resources that God has locked away inside of you. My friend, your life has purpose. God didn't create you and I just to float downstream. God didn't create you and I just to exist. God created us. He put his Holy Spirit inside of us that we might be agents of change. Wonder how many times God has spoken your heart or He's laid a, something on your heart to do for the kingdom or maybe for somebody else and it's still inside of you. And we've said, well, one day, one day I'll, I'll be ready to do that. One day I'll be ready to take that. One day I'll get enough boldness to speak out. One day I'll get enough boldness to, to do that ministry. One day. And what you're finding is one day's turned into another day and another month and another year and even into another decade. And those things that God has put in our heart even many years ago are still laying there as potential of what purpose could be fulfilled. So if that's a valid point and if God has a purpose for us, how do I go about how do I go about serving God's purpose? Now, the truth is when we talk about that, because of the world you and I live in today, usually our thoughts go to the point of, 
well, I've got to get somebody's book and I've got to figure out the five steps to figuring out God's purpose. And then I've got to get the five steps for implementing God's purpose. And then I've got to get the, the five steps for bringing this thing all together. And the truth is we often make it really, really hard when it's not really hard at all. God's purpose begins in our life with one word. It's the word surrender. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's probably the hardest part. Because how many of you know we don't like to surrender? I want to keep control. I won't ask how many control freaks there are in the room. But the truth is we all have a little element of it, don't we? We like to be in control. And what happens when I resign control, I surrender that to God and his purpose. Back in Acts 13 and 22, it was recorded that David was a man after God's own heart. That can only come about when you are surrendered to God's purpose. You see, you and I must have a heart that is surrendered so that his desire, his plan, and his purpose can be fulfilled in us. We find Jesus in probably the greatest hour of his ministry. When you, when you look back at the ministry of Jesus Christ, and there are many places we could highlight. We could say it was important when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and, and there was a man who had been dead four days. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth and came out of the grave. We can say that was a great moment. We can even say a great moment in Jesus' ministry was the day he was born in Bethlehem in the stable. It was a great day. It was a great day when he opened the blind eyes. It was a great day when he called the disciples. All those things were great days in his ministry. But I would submit to you probably the greatest day of it all took place in an area where he was by himself, the, the public mass wasn't there. The Bible says there were times that he fed 5,000 plus women and children. Thousands of people were there to hear. But this one day, he's by himself. He's by himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he prays. And he prays these words. If it's your will, I'll do it. Actually, what Jesus, and you've got to understand the picture, Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus knows it all. Jesus knows what's yet to come. And because of that fact, Jesus says, Father, if it is possible, let's do this another way. I don't want to have to go. My body doesn't want to have to go to the cross. My body doesn't want to have to go through these things. He says, but nevertheless, whatever you will, not what I will. You see, everything that had been done at that point was rising and falling on that moment of surrender. All the miracles, all the great things, because you see, actually Jesus Christ didn't come for the purpose of doing miracles. He didn't come for the purpose of raising Lazarus. Jesus came for the purpose of dying on the cross so that you and I might know salvation. That's why he came. But it would all rise and fall on this moment of surrender. And I want to ask you today, have you surrendered your all to Jesus Christ? Because, my friend, I'll never find that purpose and I'll never engage in that purpose until I surrender 
my life and my will to Jesus Christ. I would submit to you not only is it a time of surrender, but secondly, often when we talk about purpose, we have spent as believers, if you've known Christ very long and you've come to a place like this, you've come to a point where you say, I want the will of God for my life. We have often spent times of prayer saying, God, what is your will for me? God, what do you want from me? God, what do you want to do in me? And it's, it, it's kind of like, if you don't mind, I'm just going to be as real with you as no problem. It's kind of like we're waiting on this voice from heaven to come down and fill the room and tell us, I want you to do this, 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 and this, and do it in these ways. And so often we've not... How, how many of y'all ever experienced that, where the voice, God's voice just filled the entire room? Yeah, that's what I thought. You're just like me. I've not experienced God's voice booming and filling the room. No wonder in the Bible when they did experience it, the Bible says they fell out like dead men. I think, how many of you know that, that probably freaked you out a little bit? Because of that, we're constantly walking around. God, what is it you want me to do? God, what is it you want me to be? God, what is your purpose for my life? And we spend, listen to me, we spend much of our life wasted, constantly just waiting on this uh, divine moment when the, when the lightning bolt comes and the big voice of God fills the room, and then we'll go do it. We're willing. We just don't know what it is. Let me encourage you in something. I shared with you in the beginning that God is at work all around the world today. God is at work on the continent of Africa. God is at work today in China. Last week, last week when Greg Mundus was here with us, if you remember, he shared every 41 seconds someone comes to know Jesus Christ around the world. Every 41 seconds. So think about it. While you and I have been sitting here, every 41 seconds that went by, another person is coming to know Jesus. I would tell you today that God is at work around the world. God's at work in Grant County, believe it or not. God's at work here. Let me encourage you in this. While you're waiting, while you're waiting, while you're waiting to gain, gain greater understanding of God's purpose for your life, let me encourage you this. Go join God in whatever he's already doing. Don't wait till you've got this, this mandate, this written mandate or this verbal mandate from Go and get involved where God's at work. Go join God there. Instead of saying, well, one day I'll know what he has for me, go join him in the process. I want to ask you a question. What change in my generation and your generation is happening because you are alive. What is happening because I'm here? What changes are coming to our generation because you're alive? And you say, well, boy, my life, you know, I just kind of feel like my life was an accident. I just kind of happened. 
There is no accident. You are here by the plan and the purpose of God. So I want to ask you, what change is being made because you're alive? What difference is being made because your heart is beating? Let me submit to you this. You and I need to involve ourselves in a task that is bigger than ourselves. What we can accomplish just in our own thinking and our own dreams. Bigger than what we accomplish, bigger than what we can do alone. When we join together with what God is doing, it enables us to be a part of reaching our generation for Christ. Now let, me, I, let me take you back to an example I shared with you a couple minutes ago. I told you that in growing up, there were different people at different times that spoke into my life. I remember distinctly, I, you know, I had other Sunday school teachers, but I distinctly remember my first grade Sunday school teacher. Was my life changed because of my first grade Sunday school teacher? I don't know if I'm here today, but I know this. I don't know if I'm here because of her, but I do know this. She had a part. Kind of like a puzzle. When you open the box, there are many pieces that make the entire picture. That teacher today is in heaven. And she had a part. She invested for a moment just while I was in first grade. Then the lucky second grade teacher got me. <laughs> and the third grade teacher. Who knows the joys and the sorrows <laughs> that meant for their life. And each one of them had a part. I had, you're going to think this is a goofy story. I, I, I referenced this story one time. I had a Sunday school teacher that every week brought us Pringle potato chips. I don't know if you like Pringles, but let me tell you, when you're a kid, you love Pringles. And I remember me and my buddy sitting over in the corner, and she would hand out, you know, she's trying to teach the lesson. And we're taking the Pringles, turning them upside down, and putting them in our mouth and making duck bills out of them. <laughs> really the cream of the crop. But you know what's really weird? Is I'm 51 years old. I still remember sitting in her classroom. And I remember her sharing the gospel with us. Jesus said, if you even give so much as a cup of cold water in his name, you'll get a rich reward. I kind of have to wonder if in heaven she got a rich reward for Pringles. <laughs> pretty basic, but pretty powerful. So I want to ask you today, what are you involving yourself in that's bigger than you are? What are you involving yourself in that's making a difference in our generation? Listen, listen, please hear me today. I know you have things you need to accomplish. I know you have things. We all have families we've got to take care of and things we've got to do. I don't, I'm, not over, oh, I'm not trying to go over that point. That's valid. But I'm asking you, in addition to those basic things that you have to do in life and need to do in life, what are you doing that's impacting this generation? 
There's words of an old psalm that says, only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. What are you doing? What are you doing that'll make a difference? What are you doing that will leave a mark on this generation? Listen, I know. The first thing we usually think of is, well, I can't get up. You know, the truth is, if I right now were just to sporadically call some of you by name and ask you to come up here, your heart rate would go from about 55 to 105. Some of y'all right now in your mind, you're wondering, is he going to do it? <laughs> and your, your palms are sweating. Your heart's already, your heart is already racing. And you say, that's not my thing to get up in front of people. And you, you know what? You may be right. Maybe it's not your thing. Maybe it's not your thing to get up and sing. Maybe it's not your thing to preach or to teach a class. But there's some place there's some place that God can use you to leave a lasting mark on this generation. So when your life is spent, in closing, I would challenge you this way. When your life is spent and we gather together, if you will, out at Needham's North and we're there to have your funeral service, You'll not be remembered because you did all these busy things in life. Never happens. Out of the hundreds of funeral services I've done, nobody ever talks about my dad was the busiest guy in the world and you wouldn't believe all these little things he did and all these. What people remember were the way they impacted somebody else. You and I have launched into another year. When you sit here today in 2019 and you look back to 2018, what difference did your life make in 2018? Did you just tread water? Did you just barely keep your head above the water? Or was there in some way, even some small way, that your life impacted somebody else somewhere? Friend, it may have come through a simple card. It may have come through a text that said, I believe in you and you're going to make it with what you're going through. It may have been somebody you shared the gospel with or maybe it was somebody that was stuck on the side of the road and you picked them up and took them to get gas. What have you done? What have I done to leave a mark on this generation? Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord Jesus, I ask you today to speak to our hearts. God, would you speak to our hearts about our purpose in this generation? Because, Lord, if David could serve your purpose in his generation before he dies, Lord, we too, we too can serve your purpose. Thousands of years later, 
we're in this room. We've gathered together today. And we are remembering a man by the name of David that a young boy took his first step for you. We're here these many years later talking about a man who had some ups and he had some downs in his life. But at the sum total of his life, it was said, David served God's purpose in his generation and then he died. Father, we too have an expiration date and ask you, Father, to speak to our hearts today about the purpose of our life. Why am I here? Why? Why do I have an existence on this planet? God, I pray today that you would begin a process pointing us to a place of fulfilling the purpose you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, would you, would you leave your heads bowed this morning? I want to ask you today, my friend, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Have you experienced sins forgiven? Have you experienced Jesus Christ coming in to be the Lord of your life? Friend, when we come to the end of the road, truth is that's really all that's going to matter. Do I know Jesus Christ? Friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can today. Maybe you've been saying to your family, you know what? I need to get back in church. I need to, I need to get uh, things different in my life. Maybe you say, you know what? I've been looking for something different. You say, I've come today and that's what's going on in my life. My friend, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's where we're going to find our greatest purpose. It's when we yield our life to Jesus Christ. Right where you're at with heads bowed and we're just in a prayerful moment right now. Friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you say, Pastor, today, today, I'd like to give Jesus my life. I'd like to know him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, right where you're at, my friend, would you just, not going to embarrass you or call you out, would you just lift your hand and say, please remember me in prayer today, Pastor. Please remember me in prayer today. I want to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Anyone this morning while I wait, I want you to have the opportunity. Father, today, the greatest part of our purpose we can understand is in knowing you. Father, as we walk this journey of life in knowing you, I pray, God, that you'll speak to our hearts today. Lord, about how we can join you where you're at. Father, accomplish everything you've destined for us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to talk to you this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask the ushers if they'll help me this morning. Um, they're going to give you a card this morning. I shared with you last Sunday that we would be doing this this Sunday.
and we'll have them available for the next couple of weeks. But these are our faith promise cards for missions for the upcoming year. This card, fellas, go right ahead, begin to pass them out, if you will. Listen, this card is not the answer to your purpose and knowing your purpose in life. Here's what this card is. This card is about you and I joining where he's already at work. This is about you and I joining in the principles of God's word. You and I have the opportunity today to join with other missionaries who are going literally around the world. Today, we are supporting missionaries literally around the world. We have missionaries that are in sensitive countries and the truth is most of their work we can't even, because uh, of the information going out through social media, we can't even tell you a lot of the work that they're doing today because they're in countries where Christianity is outlawed. But they're there. They're sharing the gospel. We support missionaries. There are some, some ladies that we support as missionaries that are in Bangladesh. And they're going around. They're going around to the brothels. And at the brothels, they're going around and they are fighting the children that have been born in those brothels. And while it is a terrible atmosphere, they're pulling those little children together and they're doing a children's church for them and telling them about Jesus right in the middle of it all. We have missionaries today on the continent of Africa that are going into some of the deepest parts of Africa and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I today have the opportunity to be a part. On that card, it just says faith promise. Listen, friends, this is not a contract. <laughs> Nobody's going to come running you down on this faith promise. It's something between you and God. It says, as your faith promise is an agreement between you and God, it is understood that you may revise your faith promise at any time. You do what you need to do. You can make a faithly weak promise or a monthly faith promise. You'll find the card is perforated. I'll just be as honest with you as I know you to be. The, we, the reason we ask you to turn these back in is because based on the faith promises, that lets us know how many missionaries we can continue to support and if we have the ability to take on more missionaries. I'll be honest with you. Every year, it's our goal to take on more missionaries. We don't want to just say, we've got our number and we're done. We want to keep taking every year. We want to add more missionaries to the thing because what we're doing, that means we're doing a more job to get the gospel out around the world. And so if you'll take that card and you can tear it off, there's a portion for you and a portion for you to turn in. What we're going to do is when we leave today, the ushers just got the offering plates at the back doors. And if you drop your card in, and then what we'll do is we'll pull all those cards together, and that lets us know where we can head this year in supporting missions. So I want to pray. I asked you last Sunday to be praying through the week. And let me challenge you with this. I promise I won't hold you much longer.
I don't think anything about spending $5 here, $5 there, $5 doing this, $5 doing that. I do it and don't even blink an eye. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. You say, I can't hardly give to missions. I want to encourage you. Can you give up $5? Listen, this doesn't have anything to do with me. Every penny that comes in for missions goes right back out. We're using it for the gospel. It's not staying here at LHA. So I'm not backwards about asking you to sacrifice because I'm asking you to sacrifice for the kingdom. If you're not giving, I encourage you to start somewhere. Maybe for you it's going to be $5 a week, $5 a month, whatever. It may be a dollar. God's not asking you to give what you can't. He just asks us to do what we can. Maybe some of you, you've already been doing $20, $40, $50 a month. I want to encourage you, consider changing that. Consider you're giving $5 more than what you've been giving. Because every dollar that goes out is another option for somebody to hear the gospel. Instead of somebody coming to know Jesus every 41 seconds, I'd rather it be every 4.1 seconds. Somebody's, someone is coming to know Jesus Christ. The more we support missions, the better the chance we have of that happening. Father, this morning, as we consider our faith promises, Lord, I ask you today, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts. God, there's so many things that we can do. Lord, this opportunity we have to come and join you in what you're doing around the world. We can partner with people today sharing the gospel in sensitive countries. We can join with them sharing the gospel in South Africa. God, we can join them today in what you're already doing around the world. So, Lord, would you speak to our hearts today about our missions giving. Father, today as we make a plan and a promise for the coming year in our giving, Lord, I pray we'll just do what you're speaking to us about doing. Father, for some, it's going to be a new step. For some, it's going to be renewing a former commitment. And God, for some, it's going to be even a greater area of commitment. So, Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. There should be some pins in the pockets around there in front of you. I encourage you to take a few moments today and fill out your faith promise. Pull if you want to lead us in a song, then we'll, we'll close and dismiss. You can head on home today. As you leave this morning, be sure to drop off your card at the back. Some of you may want to take it and you need to think about it, pray about it this week, and bring it back later. If that's your case, you do so. God bless you. My prayer today is that God's grace and strength will be yours in a great way. Have a great day today. May God's best be yours. God bless you.